Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of the Gym Owners Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Stone. Over there is John Fairbanks. How are you doing, John? I'm doing excellent. This week, we want to talk about um, the different starting points that people can take, your clients can take within your business, and how we've seen a ton of different types of approaches. John, you and I have worked with gyms that do many different types of, you got to, you have to start here, you let people choose. Some gyms only do one product, some maybe have five or six products, but require this and this and this before you come in. And we're going to kind of cover the pros and cons of a bunch of those different options, different pathways into your business and starting points, and what we believe to be probably the best way. Because it's, I mean, if we don't tell you what's best, what are we really here for? So before we get started this week, we want to make sure you guys join the Gym Owners Revolution Facebook group. That link is in our description. Also, make sure you go to gymownersrevolution.com. If you want to get in on the Gear Academy, work with us directly, um, have us help you level up your business this year, next year, and for decades to come. That's the product. That's at gymownersrevolution.com. Follow the show at the Gym Owners Podcast on Instagram. You can follow me at Tyler F. And Stone, Tyler E-F-F-I-N Stone on Instagram. And John, how can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at jbanksfl. And also, guys, we are doing some market research so if you're listening to the show, we'd like to maybe get some information from you about just the different struggles, things you're running into, problems you're trying to solve. Um, as we continue to collect data with some of our outreach, we figured we might as well make sure that those of you that are listening uh, are giving us feedback as well on what's going on within your gym uh, so we can make sure we make content and mold our services to help you. So if you would like to participate, it's literally, it's a simple Google form we want to have you fill out. Um, shoot us an email at which email do you want to, you want that at, John? Your dad at your dad at hackyourgym.com. Email us at your dad at hackyourgym.com. It's not a joke. Your dad hackyourgym.com. And just let us know you'd like to uh, help us out with that, fill out that Google form for us. It's, it's real simple. It doesn't take, what's it take, John? Three minutes. Yeah, tops. And it's anonymous. So you don't yeah. have any weird, shitty, like, switch. Yeah, there's, yeah there's, there's no, there's no like, haha, we tricked you. Now we need you to buy stuff um, situation. We just want the information if you choose to, you know, Leave your email. That's really up to you. But we want to just collect some info so we can know what's going on out there in the world, what you guys are struggling with, specifically you guys who are listening to the show, because that's the big one, is we can cover the trends we're seeing and the industry trends. But for those of you that are actually consuming this content, we want to make sure that it's worth it for you. So your dad at hackyourgym.com. Just shoot us an email in the subject line. Just put the uh, survey or whatever. Yep. Middle finger emoji. We don't care. It's fine. That'd be ideal. So, all right, so let's get into it. So one of the things we run into very often when we start talking with gyms um, and figuring out what their sales process looks like, maybe kind of making sure their sales process and their products and maybe some of their whatever their sales meetings are, their intake process looks like compared to their products, sometimes we see really good novel ideas. Sometimes we see really convoluted messes of things that are just kind of been fragmented and built on top of each other over and over again. And when you ask why something is done that way, there's no real answer. And when we ask if it's better that way than another way, there's really no quantifiable way of proving its success or its failure. It's just a thing that we've done because we've always done it. Um, and we don't tolerate that here. So... One of the things we see very often is um, the PT first model, 
right? When, when people first came in specifically with CrossFit gyms, like there was a lot of just sign up and join, you may be doing on ramp program, but you're just dropping into group, dropping into group. That's the YMCA Zumba model, the catch all you sign up, you're working out in a group today, right? That's the body pump program. And I think a lot of CrossFit gyms started realizing they were missing out on one opportunities to make sure that people are safer um, making sure that they do get some more specific hands-on coaching for some of these more complex movements. Um, and two, it introduced people to that higher level of service right away. One, it made them pay more money up front going PT first. Um, and two, it just made sure that people knew it. Maybe they liked it. And if they went into the group and the group didn't, wasn't really their style, they knew they could always, they could jump back and just spend a little extra money and get the PT. So I don't think it's a bad model. I don't think the PT first system is, is, broken necessarily i think it is a tremendous access point um what i don't like is forcing that i i I think you lose a lot of really good clients in that process really good potential clients maybe due to budget Uh, especially if you have a product that is a general membership a general group and a more affordable thing making someone take that big bite up off the front not everybody can and unless you're at capacity what what, it, what is the point of, for, we, John, we've done this before too. We've done a similar thing where we did an assessment model first. Yeah. It worked fine. It worked fine. It sold fine. But that was a gym that was like kind of like full on the semi-private coaching. And so it was a way to almost um, slow the entry, get people in, get them aligned with their goals. Um, it just, it, it kind of worked but we don't promote that thing fully anymore either because it started to convolute the sales process. Because if someone wants to come in and start putting a different ticket price in front of it and forcing them into it now feels like they're being shoved around. It feels like they're being told they have to spend more money and your market may not support that. Well, and it is, like you said, it's a way of, of slowing down people coming into your world. Yeah. Which and, is and fine so- if you, if that, if you're flooding with heat with people, then yes, obviously you just create, and that was maybe one of the issues we kind of had here. Is like, it was a it was a, a market which high wealth, this business most of their eggs were in the big ticket basket, and it was working, which meant we didn't really need to start to jam up the coaches with a bunch of hours of not quite as profitable work. That wasn't the part of the business we wanted to send the flow to. And you do have to understand your model too. So like for. and and what you're ultimately after, because what gets dangerous is a lot of times folks will be like. Well, you know, um, how many members do you have that, that question we we've shit on that question for years and for good reason, but how many members you have, you have is, is really, really dependent upon how much each member is paying. Mm -hmm. And so if you mentally as, as a spot, like it's for, for that particular spot, they were CrossFit gym that didn't want any more CrossFit people. Like at the end of the day, they just didn't want CrossFit bros to be the only people that were in their spot. Yeah. They made a very conscious decision where it was, we're not going to advertise CrossFit. We're not going to do anything like the only, because for, for their model, it was CrossFit as the name. If somebody wants CrossFit, they're going to already look for us, but we're not, we're going to put up really what it was a barrier yeah. and just not allow people to come in, keep riffraff out. And they were okay with mentally knowing that they, they're, they're, how, how many people they could close, how many members they were going to get on a monthly basis was going to be lower. Yeah. And that's where kind of the contrast of, of that putting up a wall is okay. Well then how can I get people to come in and get more people in, not 
with that much restriction. Yeah. Now one is another, another mode of uh, another different train of thought here is the challenge first model, which has been very popular. Is more often when it's done, it's not maybe the only way that someone can enter your gym, but it kind of is what a lot of these places are marketing for. Now we're from our second or third. Um, I think uh, what's the word? ads wizard business growth in the fitness space like specialist and they just put all their eggs in the challenge basket right it's 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 coming in you're selling you're selling challenges you're selling short-term transformations the nice thing with that for the business is that you can kind of lump in some more scalable services like nutrition coaching or at-home workouts in with the app so you can kind of charge more money without having to worry about completely scaling up your floor time you know i mean not hour for hour all the way up um, so it can be more profitable. Um, a lot of those feel very bait and switchy. A lot of times the pricing that's put out on those are very disingenuous. I don't hate that as an entry point. I certainly don't hate that as a, uh, let's say, a seasonal situation. John, we we like, we like to have our gyms run challenges at least maybe once a quarter, twice a year. Twice mm-hmm. a year at best, once a quarter, uh, once a quarter at the most. But I think I think challenges are a very valuable selling tool. Man, where's the line? Do you become the challenge, Jim? Like, like that, that now, like your reputation gets, is that your brand? Does your reputation get weird? Is, is that a thing with people come in and they do it and they won and done because they bought something that they thought was going to be just, this is it. I get in, I do this challenge and then I am out. Um, are your processes able to keep them in? Are you able to engage them beyond that short-term commitment? Um, what do you have for them after that? Are they aware a lot of these challenges we've seen that people are running are kind of like, it's not even based around their brand. You know, we've seen some of this now where it's like, you know, it's just a challenge that seems like it's a fitness coaching thing. And then it just happens to be going on at your gym, which is even trickier. Right? And so challenges, I'm not against them. I'm, I'm a big fan of selling challenges for me personally. Um, I'm not a big fan of making it a massive part of your of your business. I think it's a thing you generate hype for. I think a challenge is an event right on internally and externally. Um, I think it's, I think it's a great service. I think they're great products. Boy, would I have a hard time boxing everybody into that though. And that's, I think it's more a product than it is anything else. And that's that overarching. It's going to be the overarching theme for us, which is like not having any of these, all of them are good ideas and they all work. So everything that we're talking about are stuff that we have seen work and work for a long time and be successful. It's where we draw the line is when it becomes, Oh no, like this is all that we do. This is the only model. And then when you tip too far over to the side where it becomes, well, this is what we are. And all of a sudden you switch or you change and you kind of abandon all those other pieces. Yeah, then you can kind of start to seem the issue with the main thing with the challenges specifically, and the way a lot of them are marketed without your branding. You know what I mean? You're just buying someone else's ad copy images. It just talks about a challenge, which is okay. But then you are spending money for not your brand to be promoted in your zip code, which is tough. You know, it would really be nice if you know you were able to kind of kill two birds with that one stone. And then you're but. It, if that is the challenge thing, it does become like a major part of your thing. I think you start to the mall strip mall weight loss centers. You know what I'm saying? Like there, yeah. every town has a couple of them and nobody really knows what the fuck they do. They go in and it's like, it's like half pharmaceutical, half 
supplement sales, half scam, you know what I mean? And it's, and nobody, everybody knows like one or two people that went in there. And if you're into fitness or you had a few tries of stuff, any on anybody's fucking list of like what they think is reputable. And so that's the thing I want you want to avoid is that kind of guilty by association thing, which means you do have to do it better. I think it should be a part of your brand. I think you should always be diffusing some of that nonsense a little bit, um, which is again, which is why I don't put all my eggs in this basket. Next, the next starting point, semi-private only. If you come in before we unload you into a whole group or give you just 24 hour access, the 24 hour access model probably sits a little bit outside of this conversation. Yeah. Um, Cause very few are going to require anything. Semi-private only. Semi-private is I think a tremendous product. Semi-private personal training rules. I think you got three to five people in a pod. Everyone's maybe paying half what they would for a normal PT hour. Your coach is producing two to two and a half times as much money per floor hour as they would if they're doing private personal training. So it's a very good bang for your buck product for your clients as well as for your coaches. But it still is kind of expensive. For sure. It is costly. So you are going to lose out on some of that that bottom of the barrel people, bottom of the barrel levels of commitment, bottom of the barrel budget. By bottom of the barrel people, that's not what I meant. I guess it's, yeah, but, but it is fair to call that out, right? Because that's a big difference because we oftentimes can attribute to where it's like, well, a bottom of the barrel budget is a bottom of the barrel individual. And it's not necessarily that it goes hand in hand. Not necessarily. But, you know, if you're going to have people spill mcdonald's coca-cola on your floor and bring in popcorn and do that kind of stuff like that's not forcing people into a say pt first or semi-private product in the beginning that requires maybe a four or five hundred dollar upfront commitment it does rule out usually the type of people who would spend six hundred dollars seven hundred dollars a thousand dollars in a month to then just come in and like blatantly disrespect and damage the property but there are also exceptions. <laughs> if you li- yeah, if, but if you live in an area, if you are lucky enough to have a Planet Fitness that's in your immediate area, they're the catfish of the fitness world. They are bottom dwellers that pick up the ten dollar a month people. Yeah, right. So thank God they're there, because the reality is, if you are somewhere that has something that's like fifty five, sixty dollars a month the odds that someone truly is going to be that disrespectful or that shitty to your spot does go down at least a, go a little bit. If they're willing, if there's a planet fitness or a 10 I mean. product if, in your area. Yep. Definitely. It absorbs a lot of those, which is why I guess why we never, I would be stoked if a planet fitness opened up here because it'd clear up a lot of bullshit. Correct. It'd funnel everything down. It would really clean up a lot of the nicer facilities and allow you to do a bit of a better job and sell bigger ticket items. It, di- it would be a great differentiator. Right now, the issue is your convenient 24-hour fitness models, at least in, in a lot of these areas, people don't can't tell the difference. So the only difference is they're all 50, 40 to $60. And, right. eh, and then CrossFit gyms, you're looking at a couple hundred and personal training studios or whatever are just up in the air. You know, nobody knows what those costs until you're having those conversations. So if you're looking for simply gym access, knowing that a personal training studio and what their hourly rate is or what packages they offer, it's never even going to enter your enter your mind because you're just simply not looking for it. So I would love to have like a five dollar, ten dollar a month product drop in here and just let it accumulate the people that I that simply can't afford to do business with me. 
And it, it, it could be scary. We, we've talked about this before, especially in the last few episodes, just because there are some like new planet fitnesses that are opening around some of the gym owners that we work with and that we know. And the fear is that they're coming, that they are opening and they're coming to town. And the fear always comes back to, well, how many members do I have? I'm going to lose people. And this is the piece that can be the most scary, but fundamentally, like mathematically, you have to know in the back of your mind where it is, you are able to lose people. And this is where all these different models come from. The reason why the PT first, semi-private first, an assessment first, all these things that make things more expensive, where you have that more expensive service is that it's, if you raise your price by 10% or 15%, how many people can you afford to lose? Yeah. 10%. Or 15%, like you're, you can lose them, but it's super scary because they're so, that yeah. we were so accustomed to being like, well, I got to keep, every, I, I got to keep the people that I have. And we all know there's a reason why. I'll have you tell the story. We have a friend out in the Netherlands that has to do either a freeze or we talk purges all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big one. Um, once you're at capacity, exactly, everything's a breeze. You can then, if you're truly at capacity, you, everybody goes to wait lists. You only open the gates for your most premium products that are worth it, the, worth the most to you as the business that make the most sense that work on the fulfillment side that are profitable. Um, that's the way it goes. And when you have clients who then are a pain in the ass and you're at capacity, cut them because it's of no cost to you. They're easy to replace. Um, that becomes a system that is one. And once that's peaked, now he's on location number two. Mm-hmm. And and that is that is one of the things, and we'll kind of as we move into this next segment, this is that's a good fit for this. Is what a lot of gyms do for the most part. Whether you do group fitness, it's kind of the most common one we we run into this with, as well as twenty four hour stuff. But it's just everybody gets in. Like when you sign up, you come in. We just want to get you in and signed up for our cheapest product, whatever that is. Your most common membership thing with no other services attached to it, just a simple product-based thing. Here is access to our group classes or here is access to our facility. Here's a key card, right? Now that let everybody in model, I think is fine as long as you actually have systems in place to inform these people along the way. The let everybody in model, just immediately, not let everybody in, but get them in now. It's like a quick, yes, just sign up, sign up, sign up. But it doesn't mean anti-exclusivity or anything like that. Um, what I need, if I have that model, where I just want to close sales and close them quick, and I want to close them to a base product that's you know not tricky, then from that moment on, I want to make it as easy on them to sign up as possible. Someone comes in and they're, hey, I'm interested in joining your gym. Perfect. We go right to sales talk, right to get the card. Let's go. Let's just do this thing. We just get them in and get them exactly what they want, if that's what they want. From there, because I would run into this with my, when I was doing onboarding programs for my functional fitness gym, right? People would sign up. They'd have to wait a week or two before we get a big enough onboarding group. And then I'd run those at a separate time. And then they'd kind of get some you know, and that's a, it's a treat it kind of like a semi-private situation to start. But onboarding people like that is very tricky because some, not everybody really needs it. And some people you're stifling their enthusiasm by coming right. by saying, okay, yes, great. And then we can get you in. And 
eight days um, and then you won't get to do the whole thing. You're going to have to do this. And it's like, well, what the fuck? Um, this really. And so if you get someone who comes in, it's like, well, no, I just want to sign up and start class now. I'm a big proponent of just letting them let them let them in. But then it is your job as a business to have your systems in place to constantly inform them of their other opportunities to move up. And whether that is letting them know that you have personal training, letting them know via email, reaching out to them to talk to them about their goals and a follow up after they get signed up. Like, hey, thanks for getting started. Hey, mm -hmm. let's, let, let's then almost revisit the sales conversation that I would have as we get into this next step. But you almost revisit that as a part of a larger process of your business, which is, hey, what are you looking to accomplish? Then um, you can check in on them after that timeline. Hey, how'd it go? How are things doing? You can do it via emails, correspondence, text message. You can do it in person. If they're choosing a non-coached product, you're going to have to be there, be present and talk to them in order to get them to like you and like the idea of your services and understand that those can connect to a high likelihood of success for them. Then they will move and choose a, a coached product, a more premium product, a service as opposed to access or class times. Or they don't, right? They don't move up and they do just stay right where they are in the most uncoached, non-labor-intensive part of your business. The easy-to-fulfill one where you pile a ton of stuff. Yeah. Right. Like, there is, as you build out, like, you know, that, that pyramid or build out your foundation for what you build your business on, you do want to have a percentage of income that's going to come in that's not in super labor-intensive. Yeah. Just period. Your, your people who are in your base membership, whatever that is, um, as long as you have other products, other big ticket products that are they're aware of, those people are the fitness equivalent to having an email list in another business. Correct. It's simply they're there. They're paying you money first off, which is fantastic. And then they are subject to you soliciting them all the fucking time for the other things you do. As it should be, by the way, you're a business, you offer service. Nobody gets mad when the car dealerships are like, hey, come buy cars from us. Hey, if you're interested in cars, come out to us. Nobody's like, oh, this fucking guy. It's like, no, it's like, these people sell cars. No cars, right? The grocery store puts out ads every week telling you about the sales and the things they can do for you and what, what's on sale for meat this week. So many gym owners are like, oh, I get them signed up and let me, just, let me just turn off anything that says a price and make sure nobody knows that there's anything else I can do for them. It's fucking maddening sometimes. Do, do you realize like it's, does anyone need a reminder that the grocery store has food? It's nuts. And yet they no spend so it. much effort every week. And that Correct. so many of these gyms spend zero effort. I mean, none informing people who are already doing business with them what else they can do. And in every other line of work, guys, I would show up to somebody's house to fix their air conditioner. Do you know what? It was important for me to make sure they had, even if it didn't come up organically in the conversation, I would leave behind a, like an accessories sheet. Like, hey, if you're interested in any of this air quality stuff, let me know. And that would have options for new thermostat up. It'd be like a sales sheet, essentially, right? Just a little flyer that had, you looking for a humidifier, maybe air purifier. You're looking for a dehumidifier, um, air filtration stuff, new thermostats, whatever it is. Like, be like, hey, and I'll be back in six months. This, these were people that were just on maintenance contracts, too. But you, uh, that whole point is that you say, while I'm here, anything else I can do for you? And no, okay, I'm good. Okay, cool, cool. Here, just make sure this is what you need to know that I can do. Otherwise, I'll see you in the summertime. All right, cool. Nobody's fucking mad about that. Nobody's like, geez, this guy's always hit me up. That's the whole point, is that you have a relationship with somebody who can help you.
who can offer you services that will help. So I think getting everybody in is fine. I always, I always, we always shit on this because what we're going to get to next, I do think is better, is a better access point for your business. But simply selling people into your general spot. Listen, if people are beating down your door to just sign up for your membership, you better make it as easy and fast as possible for them. The moment someone says, no, 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 I just want to, I just want to come in and work out. And if that's a service you have, you just say, yeah, throw me your card. Let's go. Like there's no more. Stop selling them. Stop moving them up. Get them in. Get them committed because when you do that, you've got them this month, next month, the next month, the next month. That is your time. They're fucking in your gym. They're doing this stuff. So don't take that opportunity to go, okay, well, let's have a slick sales meeting here where we're going to sit down and it's going to be completely unguided and pointless. It's a, that's a terrible way to go to sit down and like, I'm going to get to know, I've seen so many gym owners try to do this. I'm going to get to know you shit. And you're going to get to know me shit in the beginning. It just drags out a sales process to the point where it's like, this guy wanted to sign up and somehow you've decided to bore him out of it. Or turn it into something that it isn't. It's now all of a sudden a therapy session, which yeah, is like, like, that's not what this was. Yeah. And it's okay that it be about their goals if they want it to be, but not everybody is that open to strangers. No. That's the thing that's really important, I think, that people understand is we go, we go, the, we go the other way, right? Where I want the conversation, a quick one, <laughs> about your goals, what you're trying to accomplish. But I'm not trying to talk to you about your daddy problems. Correct. I'm not trying to talk to you about how your mom used to be mean to you, or what happened when you were a kid. This shit's stupid. Stay the fuck out of this. This guy wants to join the gym. Jesus Christ. Let him join the gym. And then if he trusts you and likes you and is interested in your personality, your services, or your level of expertise, or what you can do for him, they will choose. So many of these fucking dorks out here try to make it about shit it's not. And then they wonder why people don't come and join their gym. And they're taking advice from people that ain't never made any real fucking money in an actual business coaching and selling new people at all. They're following influencers. And it's stupid. Well, and because people come because your shit works. Yeah, that's it. And people like it. It doesn't matter because it's it's people will, will people may get tricked because you sound super fucking smart at all the things that you say. But then when they get there and it really is super lame and it's like, oh, this is like this is <laughs> it's like this is this is not you don't or on the flip side, you just attract other people that easily could be convinced to join the Manson family. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then, and then you kind of are just building this weird cult of like misfit toys, which is fine. But at the end staring of, at red lights in the fucking morning, like, come the fuck on. It, that becomes now that's <laughs> your shit, here. right? Like Jesus it's, it's go outside you dorks. It's nuts, dude. This is, right. that's what the fitness industry turns into when it starts becoming up biohacking and optimization. And what most people need is the thing you're selling. Ideally. Yeah, come in and get started. And then let's do that consistently. A habit change and some movement. From there, your services open more doors. But you're trying to sell this some high-level nonsense to somebody who can't show up twice a week. Correct. Who can't put the fucking fork down when they're full every time they eat. That is a more reasonable starting point. Like, just start building some habits and building some trust. Don't jump in. It's like trying to marry someone on the first date, man. It's weird. You're putting people off. So get them in. When someone shows interest, make it, as we've talked about this before, as easy as possible. No weird fees, no weird freaking uh, fine print or none of that shit. Get them in, get them started, and just go, yeah, get me your payment. This is one of the Hormozy things that I thought was, was pretty solid because I see a lot of people miss this. As soon as somebody says, yeah, I'm in, or, or really gets an opportunity to commit, 
just shut up and get payment. Correct. There's no reason to be like, oh yeah, you really made a right decision and we're going to do this. No, they've said this. That means they want this to be over. Let's get the payment. Let's go as quick as easy as possible, quick and easy as possible. There, there is a larger principle that's here on the get everyone in concept. And this is where, again, it can't be the only thing that you do, right? And this is where like having seasons of this, why the fuck do you think we have Black Friday? Yeah. Like it's, it is discounted. Now I fully appreciate when something was $6.99 on Thursday and then come Friday, it was now $8.99 and then the price has been slashed and now it's just $6.99. Like I'm all for that. Um, But at the end of the day, it is Black Friday exists and is one of the most successful sales days on the planet for a fucking reason. And now what did Amazon do? They created Prime Day. So we're at fucking Christmas in July. Yeah. And I get prime. And when it's Cyber Monday. And so now. And so it's the reason why you do that though. So this is where it is. There is, I'm not for, and we have shit on and we have advised people against the idea of just the race to the bottom, discounting your rates, discounting your rates, discounting your rates. But there are times and seasons to be able to open up, to make it to where you can get people to come in where they feel a sense of real scarcity and urgency to come join because you do disc, you do have a limited time discounted rate. You only get to do this thoughtfully if if, you know your numbers. And if, if if, for you and I, let's come up with like a loose guideline, in my opinion, a discounted rate, a a narrow window once a year. Yeah. That's, that's, that'd be it for me. And by the way, that's not that doesn't mean discount your whole year no, of it. It is, no. it is it is essentially an intro offer. You can do it by adding value. You can do it by, you know, half off your membership or one free hour or one free personal training session or half off your first two months if you commit during the month of whatever. But then, you know, there can be some commitment into that too. I'm okay then if you're going to get people into a 12-month commitment. You can them half off their first three months for Christ's sake. I, it, but I'm okay with it as long as there's something, but that then draws people in. I also, I also, as a f- philosophy, I like the idea of varying that as well, varying right. the arrangement, because while it's nice to have some people waiting around, waiting in the wings for your big seasonal sale to come up, you kind of don't want people like not purchasing the other 10 months because everybody knows in December it's half price. And if you fuck yourself up, and you do allow too steep of a discount for too long or of too much, you do just want to give people the excuse to then step up and say that they're interested. Yeah. And again, it's a tool in the toolbox when the idea is, no, we've, because Tyler, you and I have worked with a gym that the only offer they ever ran and they ran it like always forever was like buy a month, get two or three months for free. Yeah. And it was just like, they were not getting paid. It just was like, well, someone bought. And then it was this massive 90 day window before they ever saw revenue again or the potential of revenue. For similar reasons, that's why I also hate a too intense paid in full arrangement. For sure. You're paid in full. You better discount just a little bit um, because you are kind of borrowing from yourself to pay yourself. And doing that at a discount is fucking stupid beyond a certain point. So I think it's really important unless you simply are in a cash flow pinch. 
I don't think there's any reason to sell out your August for the sake of your April. You know, I just, it's, it's, it's not always the best way to go about it. I don't mind those deals. I don't mind it. I like it great as a new contract deal as well. There's nothing I hate more than doing that. Like a hev- I've seen heavily discounted ones go out, heavily discounted paid and fulls go out and you face it internally. And it's like, you idiots. Those were the people that were uh, already going to pay you all year. So you yep. just borrowed money from yourself and set 30% of it on fire because you're fucking stupid and short-sighted. You would be better off going to the bank and borrowing against their contract value at 10% interest then you are giving them a 30% discount you fucking idiot <laughs> like this is and so so i think that's important um that when it comes to discounts i'm with it, it like, i'm about the ease of getting people in don't convolute it don't make it complicated every once in a while make a real real open door real wide open door make it really enticing to get people in and start doing business with you very specifically for the purpose that your systems, processes, and internal facing sales systems will move people up that ladder and give them opportunities to be informed about what you do um, and choose other services as their kind of journey evolves. Next, John, next. The access point for your gym that John and I prefer. This is the what we build into our offer stack systems. This is what we, we kind of try to, we don't force anyone into it, but this is what we Fundamentally, this is a guiding principle that we're working with since the beginning. Um, and I have yet to see any reason for us to adapt. I will adapt when talking data and information and what is right with the world and what gives people a chance to succeed um, evolves. But giving people the choice, that's what it is first. That I, in my opinion, it gives you all of the benefits of all of the other stuff, minus maybe a few, right? The big one here is if... I have a true offer stack that gives people a choice of all the services I have, whatever that can be for them to start. That maybe, maybe in that sales process, my sales process goes, what are you looking for? You know, private personal training, semi-private personal training, 12-week fitness challenge, or group fitness, 24 hours. Like if, if those are the list of services your product has, what if that's the first question that they get asked and they push a button and pick, oh, I'm actually interested in that fitness challenge. Well, the nice thing about that fitness challenge is you're going to get a 12-week commitment out of them because that is obviously locked in, right? But what if they choose group fitness, your base model? I'm looking for group. When they go to the page for group, they should be presented with options still that give them a great chance of succeeding. Mm -hmm. That may be group fitness, unlimited access. That might be group fitness with some nutrition coaching. That might be group fitness with some nutrition coaching and, you know, whatever else you want to do, whether it's metrics, measurables, accountability, package and then maybe the top option is a 12-week commitment with guaranteed results but whatever it is they've made their choice in the beginning like what type of product they want then they get in and they get to choose from that list all of those things that everyone on there that is a chance to succeed for almost every person whatever their preferences is in the beginning versus what it is in this final page of the offer stack whatever they choose you're fine so just get them to that letting them choose allows your people who just want to get in and start. You don't have to have this conversation with somebody who, no, nah, I just want to start enjoying class. I've kind of done some CrossFit in the past. I don't need to do your PT stuff. I'm already kind of fit, you know, or whatever. Right. And even if they're delusional, right. It's like, just get them in. That allows them to simply choose. They feel ownership over that. Right. And they don't feel like they had to talk you out of something, which immediately creates a barrier in that relationship, which they're going to be very resistant the next time. Like if you, if I do everything I can do to try to get you into PT first, 
right? And then you, you're like, oh, no, I just want to get in. You reluctantly, as a gym owner, let them into your group classes. The next time you want to bring up going to personal training with this person, they're going to be like, no, this fool, I'm not listening to this speech again. It's over. They will not be moving up the ladder. But if that person comes in and gets to choose from the list of all your services in a nice, easy-to-understand way, Mm-hmm. it's going to be a piece of cake for him to go, all right, maybe I'm interested in this after 12 weeks. If you're checking in, doing all the other things that these systems require, check in in a couple of weeks, check in in eight weeks, check in in 12 weeks, just via email, text message, ask them how it's going. Let them know via email that you sell supplements. You know, if they want to have a meeting and chat about it, they can, or if they want to talk to the coach at the gym about nutrition coaching, let them know. Like there's, there's all sorts of pathways then you can do, to kind of just be planting these seeds all over the place and see what grows. And that's the real benefit of going choice first because you still then get the biggest benefit of all the other things financially. Meaning someone who comes in and is a PT person and wants a big ticket product can still spend that kind of money. And if you don't offer that up front, now you're kind of you're kind of cutting your own throat versus here. So choice first, I think it is fundamentally it gives everyone the best chance to succeed because they fall in where they want to be and being shoved into something does not work in fitness. I don't give that. It has not worked. It does not work. It will not work. I don't fucking understand why the industry seems so, so like hung up on that thing. You guys do enough different stuff. Give them a choice. That's it. it, it I think it, it, it's coming. Like if we think about it, it, it is the same idea that like nutritional advice has gone mm-hmm. for years. You know, I mean, the idea where it's like, no, it's carnivore or no, it's keto or no, it's this or no, it's that like it's and it's a lack of respect for the fact that the industry like humans overall are becoming more educated. Yeah. Like it's using these old systems and these old processes that existed where it's like before the Internet existed. To where like if you were a fitnesser, you could just stand on a fucking hill or on a stump and be like, I am in better shape than the rest of you. I know more than you. You the only way to do what to look like me and to do as I do is to do what I've done. Yeah. And now people are like, oh, well, no. Like the informed clients is the reason why this is where we drive and where we push. Yeah. And this is why we've seen success. Because you can take all the way from the most uninformed where they, they don't know. They just, they know they need to make, like, they know they need to make a change. They know they need to do something. And then you're just going to guide them based off that conversation and guide them and show them, Hey, this is the options that we have available. And based off of what they've told you, you, they will literally ask for your recommendation. What do you think? I can't tell you how many times we have gym owners and coaches tell us how often people just say, well, what do you think I should do? And then you literally are in the driver's seat of how much money someone's about to give you. Well, especially if you have a system like like the one we use, which is, okay, perfect. Well, you said you want nutrition coaching. You said you had issues with commitment, accountability, and sticking to it. Here, we've got 12-week commitment up front. Mm -hmm. I got nutrition coaching and accountability to make sure you're doing the things you need to do with the food. We're weighing in weekly. We're doing body scans once a month. And you get access to personal training and group fit classes. This is there. Like that now when they say, what should I do to do it? Well, you said these problems. These are the services that solve it. And if the budget does not allow it, they simply move further down the line and pick something that the budget allows. So, so that's the all the way to the most uninformed person. Yeah. It also handles the most informed. Who knows if exactly I walk what in, I'm not, I'm not confused. I don't know. I'm not, I don't, I'm not hoping for you to tell me what I'm looking for. 
I know what I've done. I've done it long enough. I want to look and see what you have available. I'm checking price and I'm checking if you have what I need. Yeah. So I'm going to go straight to those things. That's a good but, point, John. So when you come into the gym, I'm trying to sell you this stuff. If I am trying to box you, well, our policy, John, is personal training first. You, know, you got to have six personal training sessions. Um, you, you get those at a discount. So it's going to be like $500 for that plus your first two months first month and then and then you can kind of roll into having access to our class what are you going to say no i'm kind of not yeah like i've done this long enough at this point i'm really really confident in what i want to be able to do i'm really kind of just looking for a spot that vibes with what i want to do and which means if i had a program then that say if you came in again a different john different place and it says yeah here this is what it costs to get in and get started. The get everyone in model. Yeah, here's the membership rate. Here's what it is. You'll be fine. You will be fine. That will that will drop. You'll fall right into there. No problem. So that one doesn't miss you, but the other three probably would. Absolutely, right? For sure. And we're characterizing that those people. Well, they're just not fucking invested enough. Yeah, but that's they're not. Really, they don't, we don't. They don't belong. I train. Here. I tr personally train with people. Work out with people who like just don't want that, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But can your business support that many like hard nose and people who will never do business with you within five to 10 miles of your place? That's the question is, can you support that many alienating, like that many people in your market, which is fine. If you, if that's just not the service you offer and you can still eat, go for it. Now, John, big John, you come in and I have now the kind of the, you choose the, everybody chooses first option that still catches you. Doesn't it? Mm -hmm. I talk about what you're trying to accomplish and you're going to tell me, I want to get bigger. I want to get stronger. This is a perfect, perfect job. Um, here's what, where do you want to start? And it's going to be PT first challenges, uh, group classes or gym access. What are you going to pick? So here's, what's interesting about this idea is I was only going to come in and look for a spot to train, but if someone knows exactly what I'm doing and they say, we actually have like a beef eater motherfucker challenge that's six weeks. I'm now kind of interested. I wasn't yeah. looking for that. I wasn't interested to, to even have a conversation about it. But if you had it available now, I'm like, well, tell me about that. Like now, now I'll go down that rabbit hole with you and you will may end up getting a $500 sale when I was really just looking to find a spot to give you 50 bucks a month for the yeah. next year. And, and if all thing and if that's out of your budget, you're going to land right where you wanted to land anyway. So you're happy. You still know we do so many things. Like I've said this before, you go to the car dealership and sit inside a real nice car and that thing's going to sell itself. You're going to go, this thing does fucking rule. I've worked hard. I deserve this. Right. All these features. The point is that you want it. Okay. That's all that matters. So you've seen something and you're like, that is cool. I can't afford it right now, but that's cool. All I've done is made you want something and know, let you know that I can do it. You'll buy something else from me. But now I am the guy that has that thing you want. And you're in my gym doing business with me, paying me money every month. And I don't need the goddamn sales guy telling me that it's leather or telling me that it's a Hemi under the hood. I need you to shut the fuck up. I need you to step <laughs> away from me. I need you to not be with me. I need yeah. you to let me decide or my wife and I go for a drive. I prefer you not to be in the car with me because we're in a yes. spot that everyone is trustworthy enough that I'm not going to fucking steal the car while I test drive it. How like, much do you hate that, by the way? I hate, I hate it. You come with and it is the worst. We're all and silently sitting, pretending not to talk about the car. Am I supposed to entertain this guy? Because he's not entertaining me. And if he's trying to entertain me, I won't like it either because he's just no. running hits. And I'm not interested in his personality. I'm interested in this car. So stop making about what it's not, which is what I see very often gym owners do. Exactly. In their sales processes. It's like, no, 
Here's the products. Here's what I want. I'm looking for this, 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 and this. These are what I have. We'll go take it for a spin, see what you like, come back. I like it. I don't like it. We move on. It's fine. It's practical. It's fucking a grown-up sales conversation, right? Correct. So that choice first option, I think is the best. It's the best of all the worlds. I think you do different things. I think I don't think you can go wrong. I think everything else is a bit coercive. By fundamentally by its nature, if you're talking to someone in who comes in and thinks that you that would prefer group fitness and you're kind of it turns into this. Well, I mean, if you really want to accomplish this, we had to, everything is nudging around. And the other benefit of this choice first model, because it allows you to do all these different types of things, it allows you to offer a different access point for different people. Right. That allows your marketing to actually have a goddamn plan. Hmm. Absolutely. So if you're talking about, if, if you primarily only let people in for your group fitness, but maybe you do semi-private or maybe you do some fitness challenges or maybe you do some personal training, right? Do nutrition coaching. I may have already said that. Um, if, if that is the case and you're only bringing people in and selling people your membership, you're just, you're eating shit all the time because all these people that might want this other stuff and they're going to come in and they're just going to get talked to about a membership. And that's where you're going to get all these messages going. What's your price? What's your price? How much it costs to join? How much it costs to join? Versus if, and, and so now you run out, you run into the issue that all these gym owners have when they're having their coaches or themselves or whoever execute their social media strategy. And by strategy, I mean posting. That's it. There's no strategy. It's just making posts to put out there. Exercise their photos, you know. We, we have a... Um... A, a, a video and a content coach and that we've worked with for years, oh man, two years now. Yeah. And one of her phrases that I really, really like is you're not a Kardashian. Yeah. And the problem is so many people, Jim, fuck your goddamn coaches that are helping you with your social media or you are guilty of this. You're not a Kardashian. No one gives a fuck. You're, you're not going to be able to sway people by just showing glimpses into the life of. Yeah, That's which is, marketing. that is a viable component of a larger social media strategy. That's it, yeah. in my opinion. Having people smiling faces, showing what the exercises look like, letting the view of the inside of the gym. I'm okay with an after workout photo. I'm okay with a video of someone exercising. Go to gym social media, John. We're at almost 700 now, something like that, 800. Easily. We've gone through and audited. There is... A very high percent of them are operating just with that. That's the only thing. Over ninety five percent. Yeah. And so when you go to this now, or if you if you do this choice based system, you can go. All right. Each of these things, a person will come in, and they can choose personal training. Right. That means you can talk about personal training. So I have personal training. We do this. We do that. Your specific goals, your freaking desired outcomes, your timeline with a coach that fits you, your personality, your style of of working out, whatever, whatever your current level of fitness is, is fully adaptable to you. That is a great sales pitch for someone who wants is interested in personal training and maybe is willing to spend the money for it. Right. Cause not everybody can. Someone who wants your $30 membership is never going to pay you a thousand dollars a month for personal training. They just simply can't. It's not in, not in their priority list. Same thing with challenges. Challenges sell because it's, a, it's appealing. There's a fixed timeline. We're going to go really high. It's hard commitment. We're going to commit very hard, hard results, like big time stuff. This is why all that there's, what was it like insanity and 75 hards and like all those, every little like novelty, tough fucking Goggins shit that comes rolling out. Like, I'm going to do this for 30 straight days. Like, yeah, it works because it's appealing. It's a level of commitment that people can wrap their heads around. They don't have to become a forever exerciser to do it. So it kind of makes sense that challenges are appealing 
to people who like challenges. John's never responding to a challenge solicitation unless it's already in the context of what he wants. Semi-private's the same way. Group fitness is a great sales pitch as well. Some people really, really love it. I have clients who exclusively shine in the group fitness environment. They really do. That going to group classes is great. It's what they love. They only do PT every once in a while because they just need a little bit of guidance with stuff they're trying to do within their group classes. And they want some extra attention, but they would have no desire to simply train solo. I have the vast majority of my private personal training clients would not be caught dead in a fucking group class with the general population. There's no, no, not a bone in their body is interested in that. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't fit. Well, all those people with disposable income and no desire to go in my group classes, if all I'm showing is group fitness circle jerks, it doesn't do me any fucking good attracting those people. It's a waste of my energy completely. It alienates it all immediately if I never talk about the thing. So this now gives you an actual strategy for your social media. These are the access points. Are you interested in this? Now you can make 20 pieces of content about the benefits of personal training and your personal trainers and what goes on and the different types of packages you have. Same thing with your challenges. Maybe different challenges at different times, different challenges for different goals, different challenges, different price rates. Like there, there are, there are many different ways to skin this cat. And I think that it's very important that you kind of shine the light on every single thing that you do as a as an access point to the business because then when they come in that's where they want to start if you're only talking about this stuff occasionally and someone comes in and goes all right it it will all get boiled back down to what's it cost to join Mm -hmm. It, it, it does have to stay about that product from the time that then they out they reach out to you when they reach out to you it's oh what are you interested in when you talk about running paid ads now, your paid ads can cover that same that same role. Your paid ads now shouldn't just be about your gym. Paid ads for your gym are dumb, okay? Exclusively, if you're just like, here's our gym, join our gym. Great, that serves one purpose. Here's our challenge. We got this challenge for these goals, for this price until this time. Now that, all of a sudden, there's some, it's compelling. Same and that's thing. why that's been successful. Yep. But it doesn't mean that challenges are the only thing that you run for your app, like exactly. run. And that yep. is where marrying that, this concept of being married to the one single thing that a client has to do and being militant about that, as we've talked about, just slits your throat for everything else that you have available in your spot. Yeah. And it's, it, 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 and, and it all comes down to most of the time when you're talking to these motherfuckers that are going to run your ads, it's like, well, no, we only like the most successful thing to run ads for is challenges or the most successful we think we do uh, is for your, to join your gym for a dollar or no, we only do semi-private ads because that's the only thing that's most successful. Are you, you fucking serious? Like at some point you have to realize that this means that only these people that are helping you do marketing or advertising, they just do that one thing. Yeah, that's, that's it. why it's the only thing that's successful. Yeah, anyone who tells you it's the only thing that worked hasn't been around long enough. Or that's, that's that's the big issue is that, is that like I promise you this hyper discount. Uh, well, let's talk like the 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 semi private situation or the challenges that it, that everybody's running. Like all these gyms are running. It's it's at paid ads to challenges. Very often these challenges are, don't say anything about the gym's brand. We've seen a few of the gym launch stuff too. Where it's like other ads. So it's it's just a picture of a fit guy or whatever. We challenge whatever people, is, right? Um, and that, by the way, it's fine. It works. It appeals to people. Mm-hmm. But at some point 
you should be putting some resources into building your brand and these other things that you do. Know that all that gets you is a sale. It does not buy you any equity within your community. It does not buy you any brand visibility, which means your brand isn't even associated with that anymore. It's only the challenge. Do people know that your place does that and other places? They don't even know that your place does that because all you're doing is advertising that challenge. And so there's not a a public association. And this is what happens when you let virtual businesses dictate what you do in your fucking brick and mortar. Don't let a virtual business come in and go, yeah, we'll just fucking run all these ads. And they run it like they're running, like they're selling freaking educational courses. Like it's, it simply is not the same thing. And so I think that that's, that's going to be the thing that you're going to see. We said this a year ago. I said, challenges are selling and they work. I don't think it's disingenuous. I don't think there's anything wrong with selling them. The public perception is going to shift at some point, which means you should always be talking about all the stuff that you do. Correct. And there's a line, and I don't think where I have this at with our, our nose, but there, there's a line between also evolving um, in your business from product to product that works to making your entire brand about the thing. And that's why I think this diversity in your marketing approach, this diversity in these access points can be really, really helpful to save you from putting all your eggs in one basket, which is a big mistake, and also to kind of over-communicating about one thing. If you start a running club and all you're doing is promoting running club, running club, running club, running club, people go to your stuff and it's just running club. Well, those are always gyms that wonder, why don't I sell any personal trainer? Or why doesn't anyone come in and do my gym? We work at a gym that does a lot of kids, has a ton of kids stuff, and they want to make sure that they can get more adults. They're not open during hours that adults train. It's like if you're not open before 9 a.m., like you're missing out on probably 40% of the adults that have to live before, train before they go to work. And then and, we have to market to fucking adults. Yes, exactly. And so so do, just because you do a thing, talking about it and pushing it and selling it does not mean you can neglect all the other things that you do well because you will then be neglecting that entire portion of your market. That entire demographic of of the adults who are in your area, who can afford your services, who live three blocks away, and you've never talked about it. So then they don't understand what you can do for them. They have no clue. And and fads are going to come and go. Yeah. So what's popular? And the best part is, as you all know, as if, if you've been in the industry for at least a couple of years, you know that it's all the same. It just yeah. is how we're packaging it. And what is popular will not will be popular now, and then it'll be popular again in five more years. Like yeah. it will have ebbs and flows, so you can't. What the hell not- is, what, tell me how keto is any different than the Atkins diet. Well, Tyler, we, talk, we, have, we have like a ninety ketogenesis, Tyler. And I don't know if you know this about ketones, but what they are. What they are is ketones yeah. are fucking dumb. It's, it's, the people who talk about them are also dumb. Ninety percent of them go keto. Keto. I was like, Jesus, you're just eating less carbs. You know, so but but that is a thing. By the way, um, oh, who was it the other day? Um, DJ Murakami, Strong Camps on Instagram. He had posted a, a data point from like searches mm. on these fitness subjects, and it was basically uh, based on year. These there's these huge spikes in like the '90s for Atkins diet, sure, and then and then it falls off completely. And so it was it was basically that like are these new pharmaceuticals essentially just the newest diet? fad which is basically the truth sure. right you have you have atkins and then you run uh paleo and then you have plant-based and then you have keto and then you have carnivore 
and then it's Ozempic, and it's all the same. It's the same spike, the same drop off. Mm -hmm. it, um, it just is what it is. But you cannot fall into making everything about whatever these new trends are, which is important. So if weightlifting comes up and weightlifting becomes a huge, you know, weightlifting got a huge boost because of CrossFit, huge for boost. sure. Opening a purely weightlifting gym, it's a narrow market to the general population. You better be really good at compelling people who don't know anything about weightlifting to start weightlifting. And that's the way, in my opinion, every approach into marketing for fitness should be, in my opinion. Because everyone wants to compete over, if I open a jujitsu studio in a town that has a, trying to compete with people over the same consumers who already go to a jujitsu gym and already have an instructor is foolish. Why would I even bother competing with them over saying to their members that I do better? It doesn't matter. All I need to do is sell the 99.5% of the population who don't do it to do it. That's mm -hmm. your target market. And in fitness, that's the, it's the biggest mistake I see people make is they try to just appeal to people who already know the thing. They already know. And that's great. There's some visibility there, but Jesus, there's so many new people. So finding something approachable and a good starting point. And then from there, like we say, you can move people through more advanced, more complicated or more niche uh, products and methods of fitness because their client journey is a lifetime. Client journey is a big thing that we prioritize here. Um, that is it. Nobody does this. You don't train the same way that you did 15 years ago. I don't. I do many different things, right? Nowhere, nowhere close. Gyms and it's different styles of training. It's different. It's everything's different. What I do for exercise changes every couple of years, just a little bit different. And that means I give money to different types of places too. And that's okay. But highly specializing, you better have a very big market. Otherwise, give people a choice and then let them move through. Um, there was a phrase we used that we've used throughout the episode. And I think I, I want to be able to make a differentiation because as you are looking at different styles, so how you're going to bring people in, how you're going to get leads, what are the styles you're going to put in the very front? Are you going to allow a choice based? Are you going to just get everybody in? We've used the phrase capacity. When you come to capacity, there is a difference between the literal capacity that the fire marshal allows in your building or the literal capacity you could like just possibly get away with and fulfillment capacity. Yeah. And that's where it's protecting your fulfillment capacity incorporates all these pieces that are really, really important for us, which is protecting your brand, protecting your reputation in your community. All those pieces that are very, very aware and cognizant of the fact that you're a local place with real humans that live by you, but it's, protecting that fulfillment capacity, unless you are there, unless you are at your fulfillment capacity where you are now having a wait list or you have to do a freeze or your co or you're just busy on uh, staffing falls into this as well. Right. So fulfillment Absolutely. capacity is, is really, it's not just, you know, space. It's not just class size, like class size. You may, your group classes may be completely a capacity unless you have to open up more classes. If you don't have a coach to fill another class time, your capacity till, you can expand your capacity by either converting some of those capacity for earning by converting some of those people into bigger ticket stuff, rolling some of that over into semi-private blocks, or simply getting your another coach to open another time slot and you can spread that around. Then you can sell more people in your groups. But there then needs to be a strategy that's in line and cognizant of the fact that you have capacity. 
Let's say my group classes are full, John. I have openings though, however. I got a couple part-time personal trainers who kind of are on their own schedules and they got openings. I mean, that is kind of my only current opportunity to make money. I don't want to run a total freeze yet because I'm still trying to solve some staffing issues in the group stuff, but we're close. We're getting close. That allows me to start to shift some of my marketing budget, marketing efforts towards my private personal training, towards semi-private, and some of my personal efforts into staffing, hiring, training new people. That now is how you kind of prioritize within your business what you need to do right now, what you need to do next. And then by being able to sing this song about personal, you just attract more people for personal training. By the way, you can incentivize it you can go push hard for personal training referrals internally but that now is the it's the cover and move philosophy that is that is exactly where you're at let's now fill this because that will line our pockets more so that then we can hopefully it'll buy us more time to start to cover our group classes or figure out where your next move is where is your next move for growth but it, it's very hard to grow inside one box with one product and only limited hours of the day or the limited hours of the day is real because you're so goddamn busy doing all the other shit that you don't get to have that conversation that we just had. Yeah. So that moment that, that, that two minute moment is what we're doing with our gear Academy people, which is, are you looking at this? What is the next thing? What are we future casting? What are we looking at for the next three to six months? Because there is revenue. The purpose of your marketing should be three to six months out. We yeah. should be very visible of where we want to go. We solve problems day to day, but we have an actual strategy and a path to go and an actual fucking plan. And that's where all these tools, everything we've talked about this entire episode are all tools in the toolbox. We never demonized a single one of them. We only demonize the idea that it becomes the only thing that you fucking do. Yeah. Cause that's and where you get short sighted. That is a, that is an interesting thing too. This, this is why a lot of these other programs that are highly specific, your purely aerobics, your cycling classes, all the stuff that most of them don't exist in their own standalone business, unless it's in a very highly concentrated market. Yeah. Massive, uh, massive. massive market. You're going to run a cycling gym that that is its exclusive product. Okay. I'm, be I'm cool with it, but you got to have the people. You got it. You got to make sure you have enough bodies because the amount of people that are interested in that at the moment, it's not going to be super high, and they're not going to stay. In, not a ton of people stay in that forever and ever. So know that that is that is a part of your game. But if you have a gym and you have some coaches and staff and people and enough interest, there's no reason. There's no reason not to offer that type of class or to try a thing like that to have that be one of the many services that you do. But don't make it your only thing. You know, not if you're in this for the long haul and not if you're trying to be a boutique gym. That's it. Exactly. That's today. Guys, we ran over time. Thanks for listening. Make sure you go to gymownersrevolution.com. Also go to the Gym Owners Revolution Facebook group. Links in the description. Follow the show at the Gym Owners Podcast on Instagram. You can follow me at Tyler F. and Stone. It's Tyler E-F-F-I and Stone. You can find John at J Banks F L. Groovy. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.